This is Equip and Engage, a podcast by Subsplash, exploring how ministry, technology, and innovation come together to equip churches around the world to engage their communities. Hello, everyone, and thanks again for joining us for another episode of Equip and Engage. I'm your host, Carolyn Farney. I am an account executive here at Subsplash. And I am joined once again by Nick Bogardis, our VP of Marketing. Hey, Nick. Hey, Carolyn. It's great to see you. It's awesome to be here. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. I I am really excited for our listeners today. I know I personally was excited just to have this guest on um, that is joining us, and it's, he's been a personal fan favorite of mine. So now to be able to take our conversation with him and introduce him to our our churches here is such an honor and um yeah, uh, this has been been something that's been long awaited for me. But for those of you that don't know, so our guest today is Carrie Newhoff and a little background on him. So he is a best-selling author. He's a former lawyer, uh, a founding pastor of Connexus Church in Ontario, Canada. And also uh, he is he's incredibly passionate about helping leaders thrive. And he hosts one of today's most influential leadership podcasts that has over 21 million downloads, which I uh, I know even as you know we were getting into these conversations and the amount of leaders he's able to touch is through some different things that we'll talk about um, his leadership network here in the interview. But it's just astounding the the amount of pastors he's been able to help and just feedback that he's been able to get. So I know I've been following him for years and I'm excited that we finally got a chance to sit down and interview him. Yeah. Same here, Carolyn. Um, as a former pastor like you, um, I benefited from Carrie's, um, thoughts and writing, uh, for a long time as I led a church. Uh, and now I am a specialist in his art of leadership community, um, serving in that capacity there. And I'm learning from him uh, in that setting as well. And so he's just been super beneficial uh, for a long period of time. So we are excited to have him on the show and uh, hear from him today. In part one of our interview with him, we're going to hear from Carrie on the purpose of the church, how it's taken a new shape in the post-pandemic world, and what he sees as the biggest factors in helping someone grow towards spiritual maturity. It's a really important conversation that's coming at just the right time. I could not agree more. So let's go ahead and dive in and get started. Here is Carrie Newhoff. Well, hi, Carrie, and welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on today. Uh, it's great to be with you, uh, Carolyn. Great to be with you and Nick uh, hanging out. That's a lot of fun. I love it. Well, we feel so honored to have you on with us today. And really for our listeners who maybe don't know you, you're one of the things you're most known for is your passion for helping leaders thrive. And you also have one of the most influential podcasts in the world for church leaders. (laughs) I know that is how I found you. And I I have yet to listen to an episode over the years that I have not been just taking copious notes on. Mm. And I invariably am multitasking. So I'm driving or I'm running and I'm stopping and taking notes or going, okay, where what minute mark was this again? I need to go back and listen. 
So, and I know I'm not the only one because you have an incredible reach. It's for your podcast and for your blog. I think it's over a million and a half listens and downloads every month. So just incredible. Um, it's been incredible content and incredible for me as well to just participate in. Well, thank you. That's really encouraging. And it's super surprising. You know, it started as a hobby about 10 years ago. And to see what God has done with it is humbling and amazing. And uh, I don't, I don't really understand it, but I'm really grateful for it. Yes. And also, I mean, fundamentally, you are a long, uh, a, a long-term pastor and really a church planner as well in taking a church really from its infancy and helping it grow to a thriving place. And so one of the places I'd love to start is even just, Carrie, getting your take on, you know, what the, what you see the primary purpose of the local church being. Yeah, I think a lot of people probably think that it is under siege right now, and if not under siege, then being reinvented. But I don't think it's changed uh, particularly a lot over the last 2,000 years. The local, the purpose of the local church is uh, to gather Christians and reach the world. That's really it. This is this is where we gather. This is how we gather. It's not a solo sport. As easy as it is to make it a solo sport, I connect with God by myself or I watch only online. No, the idea is you gather and you reach. And I think when the church is at its healthiest, that's what we've done today and also over history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, Carrie you mentioned the way that the church has changed, been impacted by the last couple of years. Um, you know, if we're looking at our present moment, how has that purpose of gathering and reaching taken on a new shape since 2020? I think it's taken on a new opportunity since 2020. Um, it's definitely felt like a new shape to a lot of, of leaders. A lot of leaders are worried because attendance is down almost across the board. There's a few outliers. But I haven't seen like super recent data, but I think it's like single digit growth for, uh, or single digit, the number of churches that are actually growing in in in-person attendance or beyond where they were in say 2019. Um, But I think the outreach opportunity happens because suddenly churches that weren't online are online. And as you guys know at Subsplash, I mean, everybody you wanna reach is online. Literally, and it's weird. I hear from church leaders from time to time. What about those people who don't have to enter the internet? It's like, what, all five of them? You've talked to all five people who don't have the internet? Like, mm-hmm. how does this not work? But church leaders, for some reason, have it in their mind that the only outreach can really happen in the building, that real ministry happens in the building. And I think 2020 challenged those assumptions. Everybody pivoted really quickly to 100% online. There was a a staggering number of churches that were not really online in any meaningful way other than having a static web page. So everybody kind of caught with it. But then as the world reopened, particularly states like Texas and Florida, I think uh, it flipped back pretty quickly to, oh, the building's the main thing and we have this little social media Mm. account. But I think that's a mistake. I think, you know, everybody you want to reach is online. Um, we're planning for a family vacation. Guess how I'm researching it online and I'm connecting Mm -hmm. with real people who own real restaurants and booking reservations, whether that's digitally or giving them a call. We're traveling with about 20 people. That's another story for another day, but you know, you want to call ahead for times like that. But of course it's the internet, like, but 
for some reason, the message has not gotten through in church world at a deep level yet. Carrie, what do you think? Carrie, what do you think is behind that? Um, maybe that desire to go back to how it was like, like you're saying, like things have fundamentally changed, but some people are still saying, well, no, we just need to continue what we were doing before. What, what is that mindset? I think it's probably multifaceted on, on the one hand, uh, it was what we knew. Um, Mm -hmm. most of us who went to seminary would say we weren't really trained for running a church. We would all say nobody really taught us about the digital space. And that's true, right? If you, uh, run a gym, own a restaurant, have, you know, a a shop of some kind, you weren't really trained in digital marketing. So people, Mm -hmm. people don't understand that. We gravitate to what we know. For a lot of leaders, they were good at it. It's like, I can be good at this thing called physical church. I know what to do. I understand it. And I think generally we're, we're afraid of things we don't understand. Yeah. We don't, you know, if you hear a loud noise somewhere and you're like, what was that? You can't even focus until you figure out what that loud noise was. You might say, hey, can we stop recording for a second here? I got to go figure out what just happened in the other room or or across the street or whatever. Um, And then once we understand it, you're like, oh, a gas main ruptured. I got to get out of here. Or my neighbor's car backfired. Okay, I get that. But the online world is always changing. It's confusing. Uh, And so I, and, and, and here's another factor. A lot of church leaders are older. According to Barna, I think the average age of a senior pastor is like mid fifties, 55, 58, somewhere in that range. I'm in that range and I, I'm, I'm not a digital native. I've always enjoyed technology. If you come and see my little studio, it's small, but you know, I'm not afraid of it. I always have the latest devices. Uh, but I think that's a little bit of an anomaly for people of, of my age and vintage. And I also would be the first to admit that compared to a 23 year old, I know nothing about the internet and I'm, I'm, you know, yeah, I can't figure it out. And yet, you know, I'm doing this podcast from the basement of my house and we've had 21 million downloads on it. Like it works. It actually works. Mm-hmm. And the investment when I started was under a thousand dollars. So that's the anomaly to me. That's the weird part. It's like, we know this works. We know that a lot of churches are using it, but for the average pastor, it's that gravitational pull to the familiar, what they know. I think I have a shot at winning it. And then when we like something, we create all kinds of theology to support it. Yep. Right. Online ministry isn't real ministry, or you can't do discipleship digitally, or we say all these things. I mean, one of my favorite memes early in 2020 and memes are never described well, but, you know, a highway sign, you got the freeway ahead, and then you've got a hard right turn, uh, and you've got this car like burning rubber going right, and it's like online church is unfaithful, online church is great, and the car's like, everybody changed their theology overnight. I had so many people, well, video teaching isn't really teaching. All of a sudden, when that's the only way they could get their message out, it was like, okay, it's faithful. You know, I know it wasn't yesterday, but today it's faithful. So we got to really, and I say that, affectionately. I love church leaders, but it's like, guys, let's just be honest about it. That isn't really theology. That's preference. That's all that is. We're creatures of habit. And especially as I talk to a lot of church pastors and leaders throughout the weeks, you know, there is this event that's happening every week that they're trying to just prepare for on Sunday. And then on top of that is Easter and Christmas coming in those rotations. So there's not a lot of time to be able to step back and think about, okay, what is our theology around, 
technology and how this all plays out. And so something like COVID, you know, did feel like, okay, here's a shock to the system that almost forced some conversations up to where it wasn't just this is the media pastor or the technology pastor, if the church was even big enough to have someone with that title, but rather, okay, this is something the the lead team is talking about too. Well, that's a that's a, a charitable explanation too for one of the reasons why people might be resisting change. I, I know that pressure for two decades plus. Uh, I'm not preaching anymore on a regular basis, but for two decades plus, it was what Andy Stanley says, Sunday's coming, Sunday's coming, Sunday's coming. And Sunday does show up with surprising regularity. And it's a it's a grind. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but it's like, what are you talking about next week? And what are we doing next week? What about music? And this worship leader just quit. Oh, no. How do I replace that worship leader? And so you can easily end up in the place where your life has no margin in it. And you're then at the point where you're like, yeah, I don't even have time to think about the internet. I'm going to go back to what I know. And the frustrating part about that long term is that is a great path to irrelevance. When you don't take time for R&D, when you don't take time to explore new things, when you don't rethink what you're doing or how you're doing it, that gets to a slow, steady decline. And as Barna Research has pointed out, if you look at the graphs, like for anybody who's watching this as opposed to listening, church attendance since 2000 has been doing this down and to the left. And then what happened was COVID kind of made it fall off a little cliff, and now it's continuing down on the left. This is not new. We have been struggling for decades. And at first, it was the mainline churches. They were struggling, and they're still struggling. And then evangelical churches were on the rise. It's like, oh, yeah, we're crushing it. And then that kind of peaked maybe around 2014, 2015 for a lot of churches. And then the slow, steady slide started for a lot of mega churches, bigger churches started by boomers. And, and now it seems like we just accelerated. Crisis is a disruptor and accelerator. Mm -hmm. So the place that we would have been at maybe five years down the road, attendance-wise, got here overnight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it did really feel like things that were maybe three to five years out, just it accelerated it. So mm -hmm. those churches that were on that point of kind of holding on to old systems or they were just hanging on, you know, they were the ones that had to close their doors. And then those that, you know, were kind of doing, reaching out and trying new things in that way, were able to, to see a lot of success being in already thinking through that digital physical space mm -hmm. and how that blended together. Well, if you look at where we are in 2022, grocery delivery is probably not going back to the way it was before. Like it's, yes. it's not going to be like it was when everything was in lockdown, but yeah, you're raising your hand. You're like, yeah, oh that's yeah, me. deliver them. <laughs> Save me an hour a week, hour and a half a week, right? Deliver them. I don't care about the 20 buck fee or whatever that is. Uh, so grocery delivery, takeout food probably has changed permanently. Like higher end restaurants are now offering takeout because they realize there's profit in it. Um, you look at remote work, like you guys aren't in the same building doing this podcast. I started a digital company, a remote company in 2014. So I had intended, designed it to be remote. Uh, so we didn't have to adapt, but there's a lot of square footage that's going to remain empty and repurposed in a lot of offices. And even people that are calling people back, it's like, well, bad news for you, Nick and Carolyn, your desks are gone. Now you've got this area where you just, when you're in the office, whatever days that is, just find a spot 
And it's kind of like school, right? It's like, okay, find a desk. And well, I picked that seat. That's my seat. Who's that kid sitting in my seat? It's like, you know, you're, you're getting into that kind of dynamic. And mm -hmm. so there's a lot of things that are being rethought. And church leaders may not be rethinking church, but I promise you, your congregation is. Because they got into some That's new good. habits. They got into, yes. listen, as, as a guy who was not deemed essential as a founding pastor, if you want to feel useless, start something but don't have an active role. We are down to, at one point in lockdown, 10 people in the building, and they're like, you're surplus. Nobody said that, but I kind of knew, yeah, I don't really have a function around here anymore other than moral support <laughs> and occasionally teaching. And so I got into the pattern that, uh, well, frankly, every person I've been trying to reach has been in for the last 25 years, which is Sunday is my day off. And I began to realize for the very first time when I couldn't go to church, like I wasn't allowed to go to church, at first, the first few weeks, I watched like both services, and then I tuned into another church for a little bit, and then I thought, well, that's kind of over-churching it, isn't it? You don't have to do two just because you're used to filling up the whole morning. So then I would be down to, well, I'll watch the whole hour, and then it was like 45 minutes, and then finally I stopped feeling guilty about it, and then I realized... Oh, this is what everybody that we have reached at our church is dealing with, because I'll be like, well, you know, Carolyn, now that you're new at our church, you should be here every Sunday. And you're kind of like, well, you know, Sunday's my day off. I like to go skiing in the winter and my kids are home and I like to go to the beach in the summer with my friends. And I'm like, yeah, but church is important. And you we were always fighting that battle. And now all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I get it. I get it. Oh, this is what they were talking about. Now I'm back at physical church. But I'll tell you, when you're asking your volunteers to now slice back in seven hours on a Sunday morning, they're like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'd love your feedback too on this. So there's a few studies that were done by some groups like Willow Creek with the Reveal Study and the Center for Bible Engagement, so the Power of Four Effect. And really both shed light on the reality that more church activity does not necessarily equal um, deeper discipleship. And so I'm curious for you, you know, how you've seen this play out in your ministry and what some of the biggest factors for spiritual growth um, are in, in your opinion as well, even just from mentioning, okay, even that normal, okay, we're coming every Sunday, even that has been turned up on its head in terms of people's expectations of coming into church and those activities in that way? It's hard to um, equate activity with discipleship. And I think we did that for many years, and I would have done that for many years, that, you know, the more active you are, there was a period before we simplified our model 15, 17 years ago, where it was sort of the program phase of our church as we grew. And it was like, well, if you can dream it, you can do it. And, you know, we were busy seven nights a week and I wasn't home nearly enough. So I wasn't being the father I could be. I wasn't being the husband I could be. And sometimes church is the enemy of family. So I think there's that. And then we can also lull people into thinking that the more I volunteer, the more I'm earning points with God or the more that I'm growing with God. But I think you're right. The key is how do you deliver discipleship to people where they're at? So, you know, I sit right in that chair in the morning uh, and that's where I have my quiet time with God. I do the Bible in one year and I think being able to do that is really good. I think home-based discipleship can be a really good thing too, whether that's small groups or Bible study groups. 
And then I really think a mark of spiritual maturity that not enough people talk about is um, the mark of sharing your faith. So it's almost like we have pitted in, in the modern church evangelism against discipleship. But if you look at what maturity is, so take church out of it for a second. Ask yourself, who is a mature person? A mature person is someone who thinks about themselves all the time, talks about how awesome they are, ignores the needs of other people, and only really cares about themselves. No, that's the opposite of a mature person, right? You would call that person selfish. You'd call that person immature. But that's actually how we define a disciple. They know their Bible. They are deep into the Word. They are separate from the world. They really, really are into, you know, their growth path. And meanwhile, they don't even know the name of their neighbor who never sets foot in a church. What What is a mature person in reality? It's somebody who doesn't think about themselves all the time, who's generous, who is others-focused, who cares about the world, not just themselves. And well, that should be the definition of a Christian. So I find, you know, having been on this adult journey now for about 30 years as an adult Christian, I am, I need to reach out. And the pandemic has really stilted that. And what we've done now is we've all circled the wagons. We've gotten everybody back we, we, that we can. And now we're all hunkered down on discipleship. Well, if you really want to shrink your church, that's a great recipe. And authentic discipleship involves evangelism. That is a hill I think I'm ready to die on. Um, and a lot of people would say it doesn't. Mm, I don't know how to read the Bible without saying that your inward faith has an outward momentum and trajectory to the world for which Jesus died. Wow. You know, I am still replaying this one line over and over in my head, which was church leaders may not be rethinking church, but church members are. Whoa. Uh, Nick, what what are you most looking forward to in part two of our interview with Carrie? Well, I mean, part two also has a ton of great content. I mean, he talks about uh, what might be behind some resistance to uh, adapting to a digital strategy in our, in our hybrid age. Um, he talks about not despising small uh, beginnings. Um, he had a line that was just uh, phenomenal. He said something about culture not looking for an echo, but looking for an alternative that I think will give a lot of uh, pastors and church leaders hope and I, th I think maybe reframe some of their purpose in this complex moment. And so there's a lot of great stuff there. Um, he also mentions his leadership academy um, that is open for church leaders as a place to grow and learn together. Um, and that's another great opportunity that he talks about in that segment as well. That's awesome. And um, also for our listeners, through March 31st, today's listeners can get $100 off your first year by using the code SUBSPLASH at theartofleadershipacademy.com. Again, just go to theartofleadershipacademy.com and enter the code SUBSPLASH before March 31st to get access to this amazing community today. Well, thank you, Carrie, and thanks to everyone else for listening. We have more conversations planned just like this one, conversations to help pastors navigate through the unique challenges of doing ministry in a complex and digital age. 
And let's be real, there are many other challenges too, which is why we've built the Subsplash platform, which is to make it simple to stay connected with your church. So to connect with our team, just visit subsplash.com slash go. And make sure you don't miss out on future episodes by subscribing to Equip and Engage wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time.